this series on I am, these series of statements that Jesus said about himself, and they're critical for a couple reasons. The first is Jesus defines who he is, I am. And in doing so, because he is creator, he is also defining who you are as well. If he is I am, well, we must be in relation to him in that way. And the third part is this. Uh, the Hebrew word for God is I am. Yahweh means literally I am, the God who is. So when Jesus said, I am, he was really saying, I am God in the flesh. Huge statements. And so we're jumping in this series with our children's workshop group. And after we wrap up this series, we'll jump into the same series on the Gospel of Mark. So we'll be doing the Gospel of Mark, they'll be doing the Gospel of Mark, and so you can better serve as missionaries to your kids. Because when we tell them about Jesus, it's good. When you tell them about Jesus, it's life-changing. And they never forget it. They may stray from it, but they'll never forget it. And so we see our task as equipping you to be missionaries in your home, at your work, and in your community, the people that you live and love and play with. That's our role. This is an equipping station. We send you out from here. Um, get a little training here, a little renewing, a little encouraging here, and then we kick you back out again because God's called us to be a community of God in this place, to this valley, which, as you know, desperately needs it. And so we're jumping into that greatest just I am statement from Jesus. We're going to walk through the text together because it's so, so good. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What does he say to this? Don't be troubled. It's a little bit out of the blue from when we jump into the text. But when we read John chapter 13, we see that Jesus gave them lots of reasons to be troubled. Jesus, during this Passover meal, announces to his disciples, one of them is going to betray Jesus, he's going to be killed, and Peter's going to deny even knowing Jesus three times in a row. So imagine, imagine you're having Thanksgiving dinner, and your dad says to you and all your siblings, one of you is going to betray me. I'm going to die. And you will deny even knowing me three times. That would shake Thanksgiving up, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's what Jesus does. And so he follows it up with this great phrase. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And so what is the antidote to anxiety and fear? Jesus tells us. It's faith. Jesus does a great job of defining the problem. So whenever you're in a hard spot, a tough situation, it's awesome to define the issue. What exactly is the problem here? What are our weaknesses? What are our strengths? We've got to define the problem. And then Jesus provides a solution. Has anyone ever told you this solution though before? Boy, you've got to have faith. Just, just keep the faith. Have you heard that before? Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Raise your hand if it actually helped. 
It never helps. It never helps. It never helps. Because you have a problem that you're wrestling with, and what the person essentially is saying is, you need to work harder at believing, because if you really believed, you wouldn't be having this problem or it wouldn't seem as bad to you. Just, you know, keep the faith. Woo! It's horrible. Because it puts the emphasis on you once again, and you've got to think harder about something you're already thinking hard about, which does no good at all. Let me give you an example at how bad this is. All right, I want every single one of you here to not think about a pink unicorn in a forest. Do not think about it. Do not picture in your brain a pink unicorn in a forest. Don't do it. Pink unicorn in a forest, do not think about it at all. Right? It doesn't help at all. The more you think of, the more you try not to think about the problem is the more when you think about the problem. Just keep the faith. So, thank God that Jesus goes further. As you find out at faith that faith is all about him. It's not about you. So he continues. This is beautiful. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Think about your biggest fears. Think about those things that keep you from falling asleep at night or waking up before your alarm clock goes off at three o'clock in the morning. Those are the worst ones. Think about those things that are so discouraging that you, you physically shake your head just to try and get the image out of your head. And I'm willing to bet that those things fall into one of two categories. And the first large category is this, it's security. It's fears or anxiety about safety for yourself or those you love. It's daily bread issues like job security or financial security or health security or good health, if you will. It's all the things that fall into that category of security. And the other big one is, is loneliness, is companionship. And those are the two major fears in our lives. Am I safe and am I lovable? Those are the two biggest. And in one sentence, Jesus addresses both of them. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Because of Jesus, he gives the gift of eternal security. The daily bread is given today and promised for every day. And that blessing, that gift of heavenly security is a foretaste of what Jesus gives today. He's put it this way in Matthew chapter 10. He said this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? 
Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Jesus gives security. Are you safe in his arms? Yeah. And are you lovable? The old King James version for this translation was, in my father's house are many mansions. I mean, if you remember, there are many mansions, which made no sense at all. In my father's house are mansions, and there's a mansion inside, that didn't make any sense. Better translation is, my father's house are many rooms, which means this, one big house, one big family. Isn't that better? Isn't it cool when all your family comes in you got family all around you? Isn't it awesome when they leave? You're like, that was fantastic. I'm so glad they're gone. I'm exhausted. And why is that? Because you've been taking care of them for days and you're exhausted. This is better because it's in my father's house. God takes care of them. All you have to do is enjoy them. It's even better. And that's the image the church. One house, one family. And one of the reasons that God has put you here is for the person around you. It's one of the reasons you're here. So God answers our biggest needs. Security, companionship. Am I safe? Am I lovable? And Jesus loves you so much, he wants to be the one who provides for your deepest needs. And it gets even better than that. Verse 3, he says this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Not only does Jesus want to be the one who provides for your deepest needs. He describes himself, his love, and his commitment for work and work for you in the most uh, loving and committed language possible in that day and era. So the words that Jesus is using here is engagement language. It's betrothal talk. So in those days, according to uh, Ray Vanderlaan, the job of the groom was to prepare a place for him and his bride. He was to prove and provide proof that he could provide for his bride, his beloved. And until he could do that, the wedding couldn't take place. And so the groom had to prepare a place. And then once that was done, then the wedding could actually start. And Jesus uses the exact same language. So imagine the most uh, committed, uh, loving relationship that you have in your life. And Jesus says, I love you like that, but like a hundred times better. Some of the most beautiful promises in all of scripture right here. And he continues. He says this, and he kind of sets up the disciples. He says, and you know the way to the place where I'm going. And then the next verse, verse five, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? 
Don't blame Doubting Thomas for this question. He got set up by Jesus. He got played. He got totally played. Because uh, a few verses earlier, Jesus said these words to his disciples. He said, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. So he sets them up so he can share with them the best news ever. Right here in verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Best words ever. Leon Morris wrote this. He said, I am the way, said the one who would shortly hang impotent on a cross. I am the truth, and the lives of evil people were about to enjoy a spectacular triumph. I am the life, when within a matter of hours his corpse would be placed in a tomb. Everything about this sentence would seemingly become untrue in a matter of hours after Jesus spoke them. And then a few days later, he rises from the dead and everything becomes completely true and wonderful and incredible. It is the great reversal. Jesus said, I am the way. His way is the way. And Jesus' way is hard. Jesus said this, love your enemies. Pray for those people who persecute you. Someone does, does you wrong, pray for that person. Love that person. Jesus said, if you want to find joy and happiness in your life, the way to do it is to serve other people and bring them joy and happiness. And that's the only way you'll get lasting joy. If you want to have life to the fullest and lasting life that doesn't be great and then, and then goes away, if you want lasting life to the fullest, what you've got to do is give it away. And the more you give it away, the more life you have. And the more joy God gives. It's completely upside down. It's a complete reversal. When Jesus was summarizing his way, he put, it, he put it this way. He said this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. <laughs> because great was your reward in heaven. From the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is the way. His way is hard. 
Jesus is the truth. And his truth is hard too. Because in our culture today, we love sharing truth. We'll post it on Facebook and Instagram. This is truth, right? And we drop, start dropping truth bombs on people. Here's a truth bomb here. We'll listen to a certain news station to get our truth. Because we don't like that truth over there. So we want this truth over here. That's what we do. We love truth for other people. Truth for ourselves. That's hard. And the more we analyze our lives uh, compared to Jesus' way and his word and his will, we discover the truth. He said, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Each and every day, when I analyze my thoughts and my heart, each and every hour. Jesus' way is hard. His truth is hard still. If Jesus had said, I am the way and the truth, those would be some of the scariest words in Scripture. But he falls it up with this. And the life. Those are the best words in Scripture. Because Jesus, a few hours after he says this, gives his life for you. And rises from the dead so you can have life. As he said, have it to the full. That's how much he loves you. He put it this way. He said, and stop me if you know this. You know what? Don't stop me if you've heard this before. Just say it along with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Every day matters because of Jesus' life for you. Because Jesus gives his life for you, what you do today, and you matter. You're not on the rat race of life. You're not on the, the wheel just spinning after the cheese. Someday to die. You matter. And what you do matters. And who you are matters. Because Jesus gives life. Not something you have to earn. Not something you have to compare your life with the way and go, wow, I don't measure up. Not something that you compare with those around you and go, well, I don't measure up, but I do a whole lot better than my neighbor. <laughs> that guy's screwed. No. Life because he loves you. So, my friends, whatever you're going through, to find the issue, what is it? Look at the strengths 
that God has given you for that issue, that, that challenge, that fear, that anxiety in your life. And then, don't be afraid. His Father's house, there are many rooms for you. If it were not so, he would have told you. And he's going there to prepare a place for you. And if he goes to prepare a place for you, he'll come back to take you to be with him so that you can be where Jesus is. And you know the way. Because Jesus is the way, and the truth, and the life for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.